So next up is my interview with Stuart. He's an entrepreneur in the field of relocation and global mobility. He has a company called Interrelocation. So it's the go-to service provider for anyone needing relocation and immigration support for Central and Eastern European region. So I hope you'll tune in because he talks about how he ended up in the country of Hungary and what's it been like living there for decades. Welcome to the Are We Home Yet podcast, where we talk to expats about what it's like living abroad, and they tell their stories, whether it's the struggles, the joys, falling in love, raising a family, managing a business in another country, and maybe still searching for that place they will one day call home. This is a place where you can listen, the guest and host will share, and maybe we'll all learn from these stories that we're all connected in what home means to each of us. I'm your host, Jalila Clark. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Are We Home Yet podcast. So today I have the pleasure of interviewing Stuart. How are you? Hi, Jalila. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, I'm Stuart McAllister. I'm originally from the northwest of England, and I live in Budapest, Hungary. Is this the first country that you've lived in abroad, or how many countries have you lived in? Yeah, this. so I, I grew up in a village in the northwest of England, uh-huh. um, and I had no intention. Well, I'll admit I always wanted to get away, as uh-huh. it were, and, and, and have a different life somewhere else. I had no idea where. And it was uh, kind of pure chance that I, I discovered the opportunity to move to uh, to Hungary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, it's the only other foreign country I've lived in. Okay. So what's it like living there? Like the food, the people, the culture, like the environment that, you know, you see around you? What What is all that like? Budapest is frankly an amazing city. Um, it's very multicultural. Um, it's certainly a lot easier now in terms of the language. So when I first moved here, uh, which is over 25 years ago, when I first moved here, uh, a lot of people spoke German, uh, but not that many people spoke English. Uh, therefore, fortunately, I did manage to learn to speak Hungarian pretty well. Um, and I was, I was, I was lucky in that regard. I had a, uh, a roommate who did not speak English and I, me and my then American, uh, roommates, uh, we, we, we allowed this lady to join us and, and take the spare room. And, uh, it was just a trial by fire. We were in a situation where we were living with somebody we could not communicate with well, and it worked. Okay. What? is the like what's the culture like there what are the what's the food like you know like what's the environment that you get to look at right i mean okay so hungarians being you know fairly standard indo-europeans uh they're in the center of europe so in the they're, mm-hmm. uh, they're surrounded by by seven countries um many of which are are slavic uh and obviously you've also got austria to the to the west so you've got a germanic history there um as well hungary is is the hungary hungary and the hungarians are unique and they like the fact that they're unique they are um certainly culturally quite different from, from brits in various ways um they can be quite reserved at first so it t- maybe takes a little little more time uh to get to know them but once uh you you you, you kind of cross that bridge that barrier uh, then, then they can be extremely friendly uh, and welcoming. I, uh, as a as a Brit, for some reason, there was almost a positive discrimination in favour of uh, people from from the UK, from the United States. Uh, certainly, for the first 10, 15 years, because we were seen as as exotic. Uh, we were from uh, countries that Hungarians might want to be to, to visit or even live in, and and they wanted to know all about us. Um, one of my favorite stories is pe- people always used to ask me, oh, tell me about London. And I had to admit that I'd been to London twice in my life when at the age of 24, I moved to Budapest. Uh, the UK is obviously not a very large country geographically, uh, but I, I, you know, I lived 250 miles 
from uh, from London, and it, it was a big, far away, scary place for me. I was a northern northern English boy, and uh, uh, and then moving to Hungary. I mean, so Budapest is a city of two million people. Uh, it's one of the top ten largest cities in the European Union, and uh, it, it, it was scary at first here as well. It was you know I grew up in a village of of uh, less than ten thousand people, so uh, to 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 move to a to a, uh, such a large city was was quite intimidating. Obviously, the language Hungarian is a unique language. It's not. Uh, it has very very few um, siblings or neighbors, uh, and so therefore it's got some Latin influence, a little German, a little even a little Turkish from the Ottoman occupation. But fundamentally, it is very very different to any other foreign language. And so even if you if you happen to be to speak. Spanish or French or maybe a, you know an, another uh, European language. You're not. It's not going to help you too much. The food. Um, what what many see as being indigenous food. So uh, goulash, goulash, which is for us maybe in the UK or the US would be seen as the stew, uh, is actually a soup. Uh, they call it goulash, 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 lavash, goulash soup. Um, and to, but to be honest, that's. It's kind of a stereotype, and that's not necessarily the, the real historical Hungarian cuisine. Uh, but there, there, there's, so there's a perception of, it, of Hungarian indigenous food being quite heavy, uh, although a lot of that is actually a, an import from from Austria, uh, dating back to the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Um, now, culinarily, Hungary, or at least Budapest, is very diverse. Uh, there are several Michelin-starred restaurants here. It's actually an amazing place to come because you can eat very, very fine food for a lot less than you would pay for in a, let's say, a Western European country. Oh, okay. What prompted you to move to Hungary, like of all places that that you know um, you might have moved to? Well, obviously, um, the short version is a young lady, um, so love. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, the long, the longer version is that actually my father was a, a musician in a folk dance group, mm-hmm. England, and there was a cultural exchange planned uh, between two twin towns, one in England, one in Hungary. So it wasn't Budapest; it was a town about thirty-five miles from Budapest uh, with an unpronounceable name, Székesfehérvár, uh, and uh, which I could not say, um, and the town of Chorley in Lancashire, and there was a cultural exchange planned, and the, 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 the folk dancers from England were going to travel to Hungary. And my dad said, hey, there's a space on the bus. Would you like to go? Uh, if I had known it was a 35-hour bus ride, I, I probably would have changed my mind, but it, I went, and, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> it changed my life forever. Yeah. So I came to Hungary. Uh, it was a 10-day trip back in 2000, sorry, 1992. 1903, of course, Hungarians came to England on the, the, the other side of the exchange. I met a young lady who became uh-huh. my friend. We were we were pen pals. We, you know, bef- this is way before email, and we, we wrote letters to each other. Uh, and then that led to her inviting me, just as a friend, to come visit uh, for a holiday in the summer of 1994, where I met her friend, and uh, her friend and I became girlfriend and boyfriend um oh. she said said young lady then uh, agreed to come and live with me in england for a year she yeah. was due to start university she said okay i'll delay that for a year it'll be good for me i can practice my english uh, so she came and lived with me in england for a year but with the understanding that if we were still together um by the summer of 1995 i would have to move i because she was going to go back to budapest study at university and I could do what I wanted. And um, at the time, I was a government administrator. I was trying to be a pop star with a band in my spare time. And uh, it, wasn't, it, didn't, it wasn't really working out for us. So I thought, hey, I'm going to take the opportunity to come to Hungary. I had no idea what I would do. Uh, I ended up teaching English rather badly. Um, my parents are both high school teachers. Uh, my sister's a high school teacher. Uh-huh. I thought, teaching, how hard can it be? Uh, it, yeah, it's not for me. I, I don't have the patience for it. I don't have the structure. Uh, but um, I made my my living for teaching from teaching for the first two or three years, and then I became a, a kind of a manager of teachers and a salesperson. 
Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, that's how it started. So when you say manager, teacher, salesperson, like what, what was, what was that role? What was involved with that role? We were teaching uh, English uh, to hotel and restaurant staff. So that was, it was a kind of a cool thing. Uh, We would go in and we would teach situational English to waiters, to bellboys, to housekeeping staff and so on in in hotels and i i mean that's also where my love of a my love of a five star hotel started because you know i wasn't paying to be there but i was sat there in a fancy fancy building being fed free coffee and i <laughs> thought oh this is this is for me yeah. um so uh, it's another great advantage of budapest by the way it is a central location and you can jump off from there to anywhere in the world pretty easily um but yeah, so I was I was managing uh, English teachers, uh, help, and, the, and I was trying to build uh, the business that my friends had had established, um, teaching English to mostly, as I said, the hospitality the hospitality uh, uh, world. Mm-hmm. What were you thinking about when you were like, "Wow, I'm in a different country now. I I have a business here, and and I have this girlfriend." Like, I mean, what what was going through your mind, like? Oh, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm in my mid to late Mm twenties. I'm in Budapest. Uh, Beer is, (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah. All I was, I was focused on at the time was like, um, having fun. Uh, unfortunately the, the young lady that I I moved to Budapest for that relationship didn't work out. We, we Mm -hmm. split up after just a few months, but I, I, I decided, Hey, I'm going to stay, uh, at the time. So until I didn't establish my own first my own business uh until 9899 and the business i own now i founded in 2002 so that's you know 7 years after i arrived uh-huh. um so at the time i was living i was you know i was living a 20 year old 20 something life i was working hard but i was selling and i was i was you know basically working the week um Meeting, meeting, meeting people, making, making friends, drinking beer, having a great time. And uh, to this day, there are loads and loads of digital nomads, people who find Budapest and come over here uh, to live because it's a great, it's a great social life. Yeah. Um, obviously, the, pan, the pandemic has made that far more difficult, but it's, it's, it's even now travel freely to Budapest pretty easily, at least if you have a vaccine certificate. And the bars and restaurants are open. You can you can have a great time here. Okay, and so you mentioned two thousand two. You know your business that you currently run. So so what was that business? In two thousand and one, I was hired by a moving and relocation company. So this in America they would call it a van line. Uh-huh. In the UK they would call it a removals firm. So these are this is a company that's fundamentally there to move a family's household goods from one place to another whether huh. domestically or internationally. Mm-hmm. And uh, they hired me um, as, a, as a salesman. Mm-hmm. And then I, I realized pretty rapidly that uh, that's, that wasn't really for me, but they, they had a, what they called a relocation department. And the relocation department was involved in two main things. One was helping expatriates when they moved to Hungary to find a home, uh, maybe find a school for their children, um, to just to settle into their life, you know, maybe get a get a local uh, mobile phone account, open a bank account, mm-hmm. set up insurance. I mean, and and obviously, the language barrier is the biggest challenge here. So it's great if you have somebody just to hold your hand and help help out. And a lot of corporate clients were very very happy to mm-hmm. pay for a service like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other part is the visa and immigration side. So obviously there's paperwork involved if you're an expat in terms of being able to legally work, uh, reside, pay your taxes uh, in Hungary. And so there was this department of this company that uh, delivered those services, needed a new matcha. They said, well, would you would you like to manage this department? I said, sure. Sounds more, sounds more like my cup of tea. And, um, and then within six months of that approximately, um globally this was a this company was a branch of a company headquartered in the UK and they decided that they were going to stop delivering these services they did not want to deliver 
home search and the immigration side, they would just like to stick to just moving people's goods from one place to another. And so my, my, my big boss said, hey, I'm really, really sorry, Stuart, but uh, you have two choices. One is uh, you're fired, which wasn't a very happy wasn't a very happy option, and the other one is what well, we could we could put you back to being a salesman on the on the household goods moving side, mm-hmm. which I wasn't really keen on either. But then my 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 then bosses said came up with secret my local bosses, not the regional boss. They came up with secret option number three, <laughs> which was that they said go and set up your own business. Call it Inter something. I was working for a company called Interdean. Mm-hmm. And they said, call it Inter something, because it turned out that we were working for organizations like Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. And Coca-Cola in Hungary wanted all of these services from one shop. Mm-hmm. And if Interdean was no longer able to deliver uh, the, the services my department was delivering, they would go and move their contracts to a competitor. And Interdean locally really, really didn't want that because it was great work. So they said, look, call your company Inter something. That's how Inter relocation became. And we will tell the good people at Coca-Cola that just split it into two separate companies. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're all, we're all one happy family. And they were perfectly fine with that. Mm-hmm. And so I found myself in this extraordinarily fortunate position where I was working for my own business, mm-hmm. but I had a symbiotic relationship with the household goods moving company that actually I found needed me more than I needed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was brilliant because we we maintained a great relationship with the human resources department of all of the of, of the client companies. And they would just, the HR people would just phone us up and go, hey, well, we've got a new guy coming in. He's going to be the new marketing director. Um, I, and I would, of course, offer them our services. But I would say, hey, um, does, is, is he moving his household goods? And they would say, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, well, can we just take care of that? And they would say, sure. And I would then pass that business to my former employer. Uh, and, and that worked for the first three years. Um, hmm. So it was that I, the, the the level of good fortune I experienced uh, to this day. I can sit down with a glass of wine and just, huh? Hey, if you're enjoying the show, make sure you subscribe and join our community via Facebook and Instagram by typing in "Are We Home Yet?" podcast and Twitter by typing in. Are We Home Yet Pod, where we share resources, you can interact with our guests, and you have a chance to tell your story as a former, current, or future expat, and of course, be a part of our community. The social media links are also at the bottom of the page on the arewehomeyetpodcast.com website as well. Okay, back to the show. How did that happen? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so when you created this business, I mean, were were you worried? Were you, you know, like doubtful? I mean, because you're even though you'd been in Hungary for quite some time now, you know, like here you are embarking on like this new endeavor. So, like, what 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 were the thoughts that that you had about this now? Oh yeah, I mean, okay. So first of all, I'm I'm running a business for the first time. Mm-hmm. I'm doing things like you know needing needing to understand accounting mm-hmm. and and profit and loss. It was challenging, and again, mm-hmm. um, I did speak Hungarian to mm-hmm. a degree, mm-hmm. um, and that certainly helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, I needed to find um, accountant. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, I needed to find a lawyer mm-hmm. uh, who who did speak English. You know, mm-hmm. even to this day. I speak pretty fluent Hungarian, mm-hmm. but to have a business meeting is yeah. still quite scary for me. So I, I'll run a team meeting in Hungarian mm-hmm. uh, within within our organization. But um, if I if I have a, a presentation to a corporate client, I still I still have to do that in English. That's mm-hmm. that's still very very high level stuff for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was scary. It was challenging. I had to learn a lot. Um, I I had done. 
um, I had started a business degree in the UK, mm-hmm. um, uh, but I dropped out. But I had, I'd done some legal si- some legal stuff. I'd done some accounting. I had some basic ideas of how to run a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it was very simple. I, I was just like, okay, <laughs> these are my these are my costs. Mm-hmm. I need my I need my revenue to have a certain amount of uh, of, of of profit on it, mm-hmm. uh, so that I cover my costs. And as I said, I was extraordinarily fortunate that there were a few ways in which I was saving saving cost for a significant amount of time. And also, I had the sales department of the uh, the my former employers. They were selling our services, mm-hmm. and so they would say, "Hey, we, we're going to move this." A gentleman's household goods for a Coca-Cola, uh, but he needs he needs you to look after finding him a home, mm-hmm. uh, doing his permits, and so on and so forth. So we were getting a steady stream of of work. I I, I had known a lawyer anyway into, mm-hmm. if, when he was still a, like an, he was still in training. He, mm-hmm. he you know he he had his doctorate, but then you ha- they had to do a year of uh, professional practice under the guidance of an existing uh, lawyer in Hungary. And mm-hmm. I, I mean. He, he, I found this guy and he was still a trainee, but he was allowed to start billing for work. Oh. And so he's been on, he's been on, yeah, he's been my lawyer for more than 20 years. So I had a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, from an accountant, if I remember correctly, I think we, we just used the same accountant that the, that my former employer had used for the first few years. Oh. And, uh, they, they did have a member of staff who spoke, who spoke English, who looked after me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I just, it was just trial by fire. I had to learn a lot really, really quickly. Um, it was, it, yeah, I, it was, a, it was an incredible time. And mm-hmm. yeah, by the way, I mean, my company will be 20 years old next month. Wow. So, so it's been, it's been a very, very uh, strong journey. I mean, we started, there were three of us mm-hmm. uh, working for the business back in 2002. Mm-hmm. Now we have 21. So then like you yourself, have been an expat, but you know, so I, I'm assuming that like, for instance, sometimes when you relocate people, you know, they ask you like, you know, Hey, um, well, what's it like living here? And, you know, so, so then you can tell them about like the struggles and joys. So then I'll ask you what have been the struggles and joys of being an expat? <laughs> um, I suppose, the, the struggles are, yeah, I mean, they're, as I said, even though I've learned the language to a reasonable degree, mm-hmm. um, I spend my, every day of my life in a, in a, in a foreign country where the, 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 good, the good folk, for the most part, want to speak their own language in their own country, which is fair, mm-hmm. I think. Um, so, so um, for example, I, I really, really don't like going on holiday to mm-hmm. a country where they don't speak English. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's like I have this every day. I don't. I don't want to. Uh, you know, I don't want to travel to a country where where English is not widely spoken because mm-hmm. it just it's just like the same struggle again. Mm-hmm. I would say that's probably the hardest part. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 benefits uh, are. Uh, I like the I like the seasons. So winter is cold, summer is warm. Uh, sometimes a little too warm for me. It can get up to like forty degrees C, which is a hundred and four. Uh, Fahrenheit, mm-hmm. uh, and and so it can get pretty pretty warm here, which you know from the north of England we never never ever get. Um, it's it, one of the great things I always express to um, relocating families uh, and individuals is how safe Budapest is. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things I'm always I'm not amazed by, but at least make, I'm very happy about. If I'm, I, I like running. So if I go running in the park, uh, I'm running in the park in the dark, and there are women running alone mm-hmm. in the dark in 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 city park, and clearly they feel comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that people would do that in England mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. They would feel that that was too risky. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, uh, but Budapest is an extremely safe. Uh, location. I often nowadays I get m- more and more client customers who fra- are coming from uh, Africa, the Middle East, mm-hmm. um, Asia, or maybe they are coming from North America, but they're African American, for example, mm-hmm. and they're asking me questions about, well, okay, how uh, uh, tolerant are 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 the the locals of yeah. of people from different parts of the world, mm-hmm. um, and also uh, we have. 
members of the LGBTQ community who come in uh, and who are re relocating, which can be quite challenging. It's like, okay, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a straight white man, so therefore I'm not in a position to comment. How are you able to answer these questions, which, which are critical for, for their existence there? Well, the, the simple answer is we try to find existing expats who are uh, um, maybe our clients or maybe mm -hmm. just people I know and say like, and ask them to help out and ask who, 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 who've had a similar experience, who may be uh, African-American or Asian and, and say, okay, could you, could you have a call or sit down with these folk? And, uh, and uh, my favorite story is we had a gay couple moving from New York. They were French, but they, they were gay. They lived in New York. Obviously, they, they lived in one of the most tolerant uh, I think they lived in the East Village, you know, yeah. basically a, a very, very tolerant location for them. And they were nervous about moving to Budapest. They, you know, they'd heard a lot about homophobia and so on and so forth. So, um, I, as I said, I can't tell them what to expect. Mm -hmm. So I, I sat them down with um, a gay couple who were actually my customers. And, and, and we, I, they had lunch together. And I sat there and it was one of the most wonderful, I didn't, I had nothing to offer. I just mm -hmm. sat these guys down together and they chatted to each other about well, what their experience is. You know, can you walk down the street hand in hand mm -hmm. in, in Budapest safely? Are you going to have any problems as a result of that? Uh, and, and then they got, they got the answers that they needed. And I know that, 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 that those guys did relocate to Budapest. They were working for a multinational company and uh, it all worked out just fine. Wow, that's nice. That's nice because, I mean, you're not just offering relocation services. Really, you're offering connection, I mean, which can turn into friendship, it sounds like, for, for those couples. So, I mean, you're offering much more because, you know, like anyone really could just have a relocation business and say, all right, well, here you go. I'm relocating you. Um, So let me just go ahead and provide you with some information about some expat groups, like, like, here's a brochure, you know what I mean? And here, business as usual, here's a brochure. But it sounds like you have gone above that, beyond that. So what, what has inspired you to provide really more, more than really the, the necessary items that, that you need to? It's, uh, I've always had the desire to find solutions. Mm -hmm. So even, even even Hungarian friends, I would know solutions, and this dates back way before we had the internet. Mm -hmm. Where I would know, like where to find stuff. I would I could get I could find things. I could get stuff done. I, I like to be a a, a, a resource, um, and and I, I don't know. It's something that's always it's always given me pleasure to be able to say I know an answer to that. Or and if it wasn't something I had an answer for. I was like, I know somebody who has the answer to that particular yeah. situation. Um, I mean, literally, we, we just had a, a gentleman relocate from New York. He's a private individual. He wants to, re he's retiring to Hungary. Uh, he decided that Budapest is the place for him. And he's just sat down, he's just arrived and he's like, okay, I need a new, I, need, I have my US cell phone number. It's fine, it's working, uh, you know, in terms of the apps via Wi-Fi at home. But when I go into the street, I'm paying a fortune for it to make a phone call. Right, I need a local number. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we could explain to him which, which, which mobile phone provider is probably going to be the most friendly for him. It's going to be the most cost-effective. And also as an expatriate, he needs to have certain paperwork in place. You need to be a resident uh, to, to be able to, uh, get a contract. So obviously, if you're if you're you know paying as you go, it's far more, far more expensive. You want a contract. These are these are the things that we 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 know how to fix. Uh, there's, I think it's also the the, the cultural adaptation, the cross cultural uh, aspect is very very interesting for me. That um, wherever somebody's coming from in the world, they have a certain cultural perception of how the world should be. And in Hungary, things are different. Things are the way that they are. And to a degree, obviously, the relocating person is going to have to modify their way of thinking or their way of acting because 10 million Hungarians, we've tried, we've asked them to try and change their way of thinking, but they just don't want to do it. They're, they're, uh, you know, they have a certain way of behaving. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I love that, that, that thing. I mean, one of the first uh, cultural mistakes I made in 
in the UK, when you when you say cheers and you clink glasses, I didn't realize this. We don't look each other in the eye. In Hungary, you must look each other in the eye. And if you don't, it's it's considered to be insulting. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was one of the first mistakes I made. Uh, they <laughs> they even have a, a a myth that if you don't look each other in the eye when you're when you're saying cheers, you're going to have seven years of bad sex, which oh, is arguably worse. Okay. Which is arguably worse than no sex, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was something that was told to me. Um, obviously, pre-pandemic, Hungarians are big on shaking hands. So you would arrive even with a group of friends. You would arrive in a, you'd arrive in a bar. You would shake hands with all the male friends, then and you would kiss all the women on both cheeks. And that that was that was another like wow that you you know strangers that I, or people I were meeting for the like just the first or second time would would kiss me on both cheeks. And I was like, whoa, this is quite you know this is not an intrusion, but it, this is my personal space as a, as a as an English person was being encroached upon. I quite liked it, but it was new for me. And I also had to work out, well, when, when, if I meet somebody, can I, can I give them a kiss on both cheeks? Is that okay? And then it gets, then it takes it to the next level. When you are, can have a kiss on both cheeks from a man. Mm-hmm. Now that's, now I remember, I think it was maybe I'd met, I had a girlfriend and I was meeting her father for the first time and he kissed me on both cheeks. And that that's so that was new for me. I I knew that 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 some in some you know maybe French Italian culture that there's a you know men kissing each other as a greeting is was 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 done, but I'd never seen it before. That was new, and I had to get used to it. Um, I ended up with like I had an American friend who sadly passed away a few years ago. And we were we would we would greet each other like that <laughs> because we got into it. It was brilliant. So you mentioned like you know you run. So that's like one thing you might do like in your day to day, but, but what are some other things? Right. Um, as yeah, definitely exercise. Um, I, I, that's a, that's really a pandemic thing. So I, 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 I got more into going to the gym, uh, exercising, frankly, cause I had more time, uh, when we were in the initial lockdown and I really, really just wanted to, cause we were locked, you know, we were trapped at home. So mm-hmm. even when we were allowed to go out and, and, and get some fresh air, I was doing that every day. Um, and, you know, I've, I've, I've enjoyed the life in terms of eating and drinking well, and, and therefore I need to look after myself uh, more and more. Um, I, uh, yeah, I like socializing. Uh, it's, um, the, the, I like just walking around. The architecture in Budapest is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, so, so my wife and I like to, like to walk a lot. Um, but we also like to socialize. Some friends of ours have recently opened a new wine bar. Uh, that's you know a Brit, one Brit, one American, and one Australian mm-hmm. who've got together and they've opened uh, opened a wine bar in central Budapest. They don't even speak Hungarian very much. So the, oh. if the Hungarian if Hungarian customers go in there, they more or less have to speak English, uh, and they're they're operating their business very very well. Mm-hmm. So it's. Uh, that's that's a fascinating thing for me. Um, I'm a member of a quiz league. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is sort of like a pop quiz type thing, general knowledge in Hungarian. I'm the only Brit. Mm-hmm. I'm the only non-native speaker that participate mm-hmm. that I know of. Mm-hmm. And this is a national thing. There are hundreds of people participating in this particular quiz mm-hmm. uh, every every week, and. Uh, yeah, we that's what we we go and it's you know three hours of, of an evening answering questions um, on various topics. Obviously, if it's Hungarian fine fine arts or literature, I haven't got a clue. But there are general knowledge questions, there are music questions, there are things where I can definitely participate in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's 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 how I like to. And, and, and as I mentioned earlier, travel. So um, whether within Hungary or anywhere around the world. I can now say that I've been to every single EU country, every member company of the country of the European Union, mm. several other European countries that are not EU members. Uh, I think I've been to three countries when I left uh, the UK in, in, in 1995. Yeah. So I've traveled so much. Uh, I, love the, I love the diversity here. Mm. I, I, I tell this story of my 30th birthday. I count before I... <clears throat> 
drank too much. I counted the number of nationalities that were represented at my birthday party. It was 30. It was absolutely cool. Wow. The idea that, the, the, you know, I, I grew up in a place where people from the next town were weird for us. And now I'm living in an environment uh, in, a, in a city of 2 million people, but with the, the, an enormous cultural diversity. I love it. I love that. So, so then like, what's your day to day when, when you have clients, when you're at work? Most of obviously now, um, because of the pandemic, I spend a lot of time at home. So right now I'm talking to you from, uh, I have a little study in my, my apartment in Budapest. I, my office is about a, just about a six or seven minute walk away from here. Um, we, we have an office. It's in an apartment building, so that's quite typical in Hungary that smaller companies wouldn't be based in a, a dedicated office building. They would they would rent or buy a, 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 an apartment and, and use that space for uh, as a as a company. And uh, so yeah, my day to day is I'll spend a lot of time these days on Teams and Zoom and various other um, video call platforms. And then, but thankfully. Um, more and more we are opening up so therefore we're allowed to have meetings uh, meetings face to face um i spend a lot of time obviously working with my team making sure that they're doing okay managing the business at a, at a higher level we expanded uh over the last 15 years from just working in hungary we now cover 25 countries around central eastern europe and some parts of, cent of central asia so working with what we would call member companies so i don't own the businesses in Prague, in Warsaw, in Moscow, uh, but we, we deliver services there via a, a network of, of member companies. And I, I, I need to talk to them on a daily basis as well. So yeah, my, my day is very, very much email, telephone, video conference based, uh, which is also great because I can do it from anywhere. So last year, for example, uh, my wife and I worked remotely from Malta uh, for half the summer. So then, you know, along the lines of like your day to day, like I'm sure people ask like, well, what's the visa process like? So, so then like, what is it like? What is it like? Okay. Well, you, you, you have obviously two distinct groups, mm -hmm. EU or well, the EU and the EEA, so the European Union and the European Economic Area, which is the EU plus uh, Norway, Iceland, and, uh, and, and then you have non-EU which as a United Kingdom citizen, I've just become part of that group. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've joined, you know, the United States, mm -hmm. Canada, Japan, and, and, and all the other non-EU countries around the world. If you're an EU citizen, you can turn up in Budapest today. Uh, you can take a job. They can hire you. There is some paperwork relating to registering that you're living here, you're residing here. We need to register you at the Labour Authority. Uh, we need, to, and obviously, if you're going to be get your salary here in Hungary, you need a tax number, you need a social security number. Uh, obviously, here there is a state health authority, a state healthcare system, meaning that if you're paying into that system, you can go to a doctor, you can go to the hospital if you need to. Hope you don't. Um, obviously, finding an English-speaking doctor might be more challenging. So, a lot of expats pay for private healthcare in addition. It's not expensive. Um, so for example, I'm paying, I don't know, I think 40 bucks a month, something mm. like that. And for that, I can go to a private clinic. I can get a lot of, uh, in, you know, examinations, things looked after. I can get prescriptions if I need to, uh, for that, for that small amount of money. Um, if you are a non-EU citizen, it's a whole lot more complicated. Mm. So you're, you're going to need, if you're, if, if let's imagine, uh, Jalila, okay, you've decided you're going to move to Hungary. Mm. There's a company in Hungary that wants to hire you. Right. First of all, what we're going to do is you're going to need to have a combined work and residence permit. Uh, for that, I'm going to need your, your degree or diploma, your original. You're going to have to send me the original. A lot of people are going, the original? Why? Why, why can't I just scan it? Well, welcome to Hungary. Uh, there is a state official translation uh, agency. And they will not, they're, they're going to put like a, a seal on this translation that makes it look like it was, like it was made, made presented by the king. Uh -huh. um, and that is a, a notarized official translation of your, of your degree or diploma. Um, so 
obviously what we would do is we would receive that via courier and then we'll hold it for you and give it back to you when um, uh, when you arrive here in Budapest. And in the meantime, then we're going we're gonna to establish what position you're going to work at at this company. And we would put a whole package of documents together. Um, let me ask you, what citizenship do you hold? Oh, American. You're a U.S. citizen. Okay. Mm -hmm. You could then choose. You could um, either apply at the Hungarian embassy in the country where you're currently based. Mm -hmm. You could apply from the Hungarian embassy in the United States, mm -hmm. or you could actually physically travel here to Hungary as a tourist or on business. And you can make your application in country. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. It, it takes about... The whole process from the day you said, if you said, hey, I'm moving to Hungary, please help me, to the day when we can, when you can start work would be around 100, 110 calendar days. Okay. Okay. All right. That, that's actually not so bad because when I, uh, before I came to China and I was going through the process with the company, you know, who I came over here initially to work for, uh, let me see. So it was May... Let me see. So, yeah. So May, June, July. And then I got my, um, like my temporary, like work permit in my passport, um, August. So I'm say that was like three and a half months, you know, and then also the plane ticket, the e-ticket from the employer. So, so, okay. So then that, I don't think that that's so bad. Yeah. No, it's very similar. Uh, the timeline is pretty similar. So yeah, so uh, it, it would be about yeah, about three and a half, four months, uh, mm -hmm. depending on how efficient everybody is, mm -hmm. um, to get you from day that you, you you would like to be hired to the day when you're in sat down uh, in your office in Budapest with a permit in your hand. Okay, okay. You mentioned that you know you have a wife. So how did you guys meet? And yeah, I mean, is she Hungarian or is she? You know, from somewhere else like you are. Right. No, my wife's Hungarian. Mm -hmm. She uh, was. We were introduced to each other by uh, an American friend mm -hmm. in in a in a, <laughs> inside the British embassy. Oh, um, okay. The the, Brit the British embassy here used to have uh, a club, uh, a bar, basically within the on the premises of the British embassy. So technically, legally, we were in the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. uh, we were on UK territory, and on a Friday afternoon, Friday mm -hmm. afternoon in the evening, the 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 club would open up. Um, you didn't have to be a UK citizen to be a member. Mm -hmm. You just had to be invited by an existing member, and then two diplomats had to sign off your application for membership. Mm -hmm. um, so, so my friend was a was a US citizen, but he was a, a very active member of the of the club. We did. We would go there and have a few drinks after work. Sometimes we'd have karaoke and or you know watch a movie, and, and it was it was a social club basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, he invited. He said, "Hey, you know, Stuart, there's this there's this new, this friend of mine I've met. You're going to really really like her." Uh, he was right. I did. <laughs> I, I wanted. I went to talk to her, and, and and to be honest, she turned her back on me like twice. She just walked <laughs> away. Uh, she was, she was like this guy. Uh, he's you know he's too pushy, uh, and uh, and we we kept bumping into each other um, over the course of the next let's say two months. Okay. There was a night when my friend Gary and I hosted a quiz. We had uh, like a, a, a pub quiz, general knowledge quiz, and she participated. Um, she was actually leaving there afterwards to go to a date, to go on a date with somebody else. Um, but we we chatted and and. And then we 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 met each other. We kept, as I said, we kept bumping into each other. And then finally, it was uh, Easter weekend. It was Good Friday, and uh, the embassy bar uh, was closed because it was a national holiday in the UK. And so we we all the group of us all got together at a at a, at a pub uh, that we 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 all liked. And I I decided right this evening I'm going to find out all about this lady and who she is, and I'm going to I'm going to I didn't wouldn't say chat her up, mm -hmm. but I was I, I was gonna I was gonna get to know her, mm -hmm. and I remember about three hours in that a friend of mine who was also a friend of hers said, "Are you gonna like hog her attention? Are you gonna just you know are you just gonna steal her for the entire evening?" And I said, "Yeah, pretty mm -hmm. much." And um, 
by, you know, we, we probably left the bar around midnight and, and I didn't want to say goodnight. So I said, look, you know, would you like to come for a walk with me? So we took a midnight walk up to a place called Hero Square. Very, very beautiful uh, square. Uh, if you ever come to Budapest, and you should. And then, yeah, here and there is definitely a place to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kissed for the first time on Hero Square. And uh, But then, then <laughs> she announced that she needed to pee and she needed the bathroom. There were no bathrooms. There, were nothing, there was nothing open by this point there. So uh, I said, look, sorry, this is really, please, please, please don't think that I'm, I'm a creep. But the only place I know near here where there's a bathroom is my apartment. You know, okay. would, would you, would you, you know, and I mean, you know, it starts to sound like, would you come back to my place? And, and that really, really was not my, my intention, let's okay. say. Uh, but she said, okay, I mean, you know, needs must. Uh, so, so we went back, she, she used the bathroom and, uh, and then I uh, persuaded her because we also found we had a shared love of Monty Python. Oh, okay. Um, now, Monty Python obviously is a very, very British type of humor, mm-hmm. and the Hungarians Hungarians share that 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 humor, their their, their style of humor, um, which I did not. Well, I, I suppose I had learned it, but uh, and to find out that my this, this this young lady, of course, I didn't know at the time she was going to be my wife, was was a was a big fan of Monty Python. So we went back, and it was, I think this was like one o'clock in the morning, mm. and for the, for the next two hours we watched Life of Brian on my TV. And we drank tea, and uh, and at the end of that, she went home. Wow. Okay. I mean, besides the Monty Python, how did you guys <laughs> fall in love and then decide, hey, let's get married? Well, it, that was so. That would be that was that was April of two thousand and nine, mm-hmm. and um, it was about a year, year, nearly a year and a half later. Uh, that I, I decided to ask her to marry me. Um, so we, yeah, we dated. We were living together by about October of, of that year. So from April to October, um, we bought an apartment together in the spring of of the set of the next year. So within a year, we we were we bought an apartment together. So we were, yeah, we were definitely in a long long term relationship by this stage already. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, it was November the fifth. 2010, I, I asked her for her hand in marriage, and uh, then we, we started to plan a, a, a big wedding, 130, 140 people, and um, rapidly realized that that's not what we wanted, <laughs> and, and uh, eventually decided to elope. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, we weren't technically eloping, we were, in, we were grown up individuals uh, living, living where we wanted to live, but yeah, we... Uh, we went to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. We got married in Las Vegas. Um, wow, that's interesting. So, but but why there? Like of all the places you guys could have gotten married. It was weird. Um, there was a human resources conference uh, in in June of 2012. It would have been, and I was planning to go to this conference. And as a joke, I said to my my then fiance, you know, if we don't want to have this big wedding. Uh, with all the people, um, wouldn't it be funny if we got married in Vegas? And I think we probably both had a couple of glasses of wine at this point. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, yeah, that would be funny. Uh, I mean, how would that look? Would it, you know, do, would it have to be like a drive through or Elvis or uh, some, you know, how, can, it, can it be sophisticated? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, I, I imagine in Las Vegas, you can have whatever you want, I, I, but I'd need to find out. So next thing you know, I'm talking to, LasVegasWeddings.com, literally, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which turns out to be two brothers. It wasn't, you know, it, it's not like some mega, mega organization. Um, one is the wedding planner and the other one's a photographer. And we start to talk to them and they say, well, you know, is there a chapel with natural light that, 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 uh, that it, it looks, you know, sophisticated? And we, we, we started planning. And then next thing you know, that was March. Next thing you know, we're like, hey, we could do this. So we didn't tell our families. And we, uh, we went off to, uh, to Las Vegas, of course, on paper for a conference. And uh, we got married. It was interesting when we had to come back and I had to tell my uh, mother-in-law. Oh, 
Okay. Okay. How, how, how did, how did she and others receive that news? Like, Hey, you snuck away. <laughs> um, thankfully it was actually my wife's grandmother who saved the day Okay. because at uh, first my mother-in-law thought it was a joke. Mm-hmm. And then there was a little bit of the like, okay, so you, you know, you, the, 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 the proudest day of a mother's life, her daughter or son, you know, getting married was, was, was kind of taken from her. Mm-hmm. And actually it was, was my wife's grandmother who said, that's brilliant. If I could, you know, if, if, I, if I could get, if I could get married again, I'd do it exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and she sort of like, you know, she supported us. Um, my parents were fine. My family were fine. They were like, Hey, if that's what makes you happy. Um, my mum's only stipulation was that she wanted to be able to call me after the ceremony mm-hmm. um, so that we could have a we could have a chat and, and, and talk about what had happened. And then obviously we we toured going back around the families with, with a massive slideshow of all the photographs of, of, of the wedding and, and, mm-hmm. the, the, and the honeymoon and what have you, boring everybody to death. Uh, but but uh, yeah, we, we, we eloped. It was just the two of us. Our our we had a pastor and. Uh, two witnesses. The witnesses were the photographer and the videographer. Wow. You know, I, I love to hear stories like this because, I mean, <laughs> I mean, full disclosure, like I, I foolishly eloped when I was 22 and it was a, a very bad decision. Um, you know, we got a divorce. I mean, I, I was very happy <laughs> later on to get a divorce. But um, but I'm always happy to hear stories about when people just say, you know what, look, let's just make this about us. And we go and we have this, you know, intimate experience where, you know, really it's, it's, it's not about anyone else. It's just really about us and we love each other. And that that's that's all that matters. And, and I love that. I love that. I really do. Um, that's right. Yeah, we were we were mm-hmm. we were the feedback we got in the end was like, hey. This is your special day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can you can do it your way, and yeah. and, and and we, we and we did, and um, and we don't regret it. Yeah, and so you know, let me just ask you just about two more questions, and then okay, so sure. like, what's your quality? What what has been your quality of life? Now, I mean, it sounds amazing, but still, you know, so you know, you went there, you you went to Hungary, you've created this business that now is like you know two dec two decades old. You know, you have a marriage that's, you know, loving and long lasting. Um, you know, it sounds like like you've really, really enjoyed being there. So but tell us, like what in your words, what's your quality of life been like? Pretty amazing, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I occasionally do that thing where you go, you know, the, the, that crossroads in my life. Mm-hmm. Literally, my father came into my bedroom. I'm 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And he says, we're going to go to Hungary would you like to go? Mm-hmm. If I'd said no, mm. what would have happened? I mean, you know, yeah. that, that was, there, I suppose everybody has those moments in their life where they can go, they can identify that they took a, a massive decision that changed everything about their lives. Mm-hmm. And that was the, that was the decision for me. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I, I mean, I've loved living here for the last 20 years. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I, I, I just got the paperwork to apply for Hungarian citizenship, which I, qualify for oh wow um, okay. I'll, I'll never be a hungarian I'm, mm-hmm. i don't i don't i don't profess to be hungarian although i don't feel very british anymore either mm-hmm. i think i like to think that i'm now european well that's okay. where that's where i stand but i'm not i'm not ethnically hungarian i never will be i maybe have a couple of hungarian habits that i've picked up over the years mm-hmm. but you know but but the government is happy to give me citizenship if I make if I fill out the paperwork properly. Uh, so that would be nice. I'd like to be an EU citizen once again. Yeah. Um, living living in Hungary has been the most rewarding and enjoyable experience. Um, the in terms of quality of life, mm-hmm. <laughs> I always joke that all I really wanted when I was twenty four, twenty five was you know a roof over my head, the ability to 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 buy whatever food I wanted and drink whatever beer I wanted to and maybe travel a bit. Mm. Um, that hasn't changed enormously. Uh, I, I have a slightly better roof over my head. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy to say I have a better view. Mm. And, um, and, and, and now the travel is, is so important, um, which, is a, which I'm able to do. 
um, my my company for me really is my baby, my my mm-hmm. child. I don't we're, we don't we don't have children, mm-hmm. uh, but my my company, the twenty people who work at the company, are I consider to be my family. That that's that's my my legacy, my life's achievements, mm-hmm. um, uh, and, and I'm extremely proud of of, of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm extremely uh, feel extremely fortunate that I've been able to to live here in Hungary. Uh, we as a company we 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 do what we can in terms of helping the local community. Uh, this is uh, something that I've always felt strongly about. Uh, so right now we help we help out a couple of hospitals uh, mm-hmm. here in Hungary, not in Budapest. It's actually in the in the southeast of the country, which mm-hmm. is uh, far poorer than. Uh, so if you if you imagine Hungary in the west, it's closest to Austria, and the east, it's bordering with Ukraine and Serbia. And, mm-hmm. and the, the, the east of the and the southeast of the country are, are 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 the poorer parts, and so there are hospitals there that simply don't have the equipment that they need. So mm-hmm. we we contribute some money via a, via a charitable foundation here in Hungary uh, on an annual basis to try and help them to buy equipment. And then uh, we we well not with the pandemic, but before the pandemic, we would go visit and actually meet with the doctors uh, uh, and, and talk with them, and, and they would explain to us well. What have we helped them to buy, and why it's uh, of such benefit? Uh, and and I I love that that we can we can I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity that I've been given to live in Hungary all these years, and whatever small thing I can do to to give something back for mm-hmm. me is uh, is very important. And so so then my last question is going to be um, like, what's your definition of home? I suppose uh, the easiest answer would be. Um, wherever I feel the most comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. It's really interesting. You know, I grew up in a village and um, the way that I handle the big city is to break it down into smaller pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, 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 if I think of it's a city of 2 million people, it's, it's still scary for me. So what, I, what I've done is, uh, and I, I moved into, I live in the sixth district of Budapest. So I live in Pest Ooh. rather than Buda. Uh, so, you know, Budapest is split between uh, by the Danube River, and Buda is one on one side, and Pest is on the other. I, I live in Pest in the sixth district, and I've lived in four apartments in the same district within a five-minute walk of each other for the last twenty years. So Ooh. what I've done really is I'm still living in a village. I've just established my little village world within a, a, a very small part of a very very large city, um, and that's how I handle not getting scared i suppose and that, that and so i have these few street blocks of, of you know of of, a, of the city that i walk around that they're, they're that are my my neighborhood and that, and that and that works for me um and i i've again for environmental reasons and for for financial reasons i moved away from going to big supermarkets recently in the last couple of years so now i we you know i do my grocery shopping from local shops from the local market uh, where you've got people who are owning their own local business and that they're, they're they're selling probably no offense to the big supermarkets better better quality produce uh, and I'm and I'm and I'm I'm supporting the people who actually own the business locally. Um, yeah, I, I suppose being feeling part of a community is 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 what's important, uh, and and that's and that's hard if you're if you're foreign, um, and so it's really really great to feel. To feel welcome here, uh, and, I, and I do, and to be part of a community, um, yeah, I think that's 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 probably where I where I stand right now. Okay, all right. Well, thank you, Stuart, for taking the time to be interviewed by me on this podcast. Are we home yet? A podcast where expats talk about what it's like living abroad, and you know, maybe their story inspires future expats to take that leap. Also into living abroad as well. So with that, I'm going to say goodbye to our listeners and goodbye as well to Stuart. I hope everyone has a great day. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thanks a lot for inviting me. So next up is Smike, and Smike is from the United States. He moved abroad to Hungary and has had such an amazing time. He's created a wine bar with two friends from UK and Australia, and they're doing wine tastings. They're meeting people from around the world. And in this interview, we're going to be talking about wine. And as a novice, 
it is wonderful to hear from Smike about the types of wine that he suggests. So tune in if you want to hear about Hungary or wine, moving abroad, starting a business, and more. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to hit subscribe and to stay updated, head over to arewehomeyetpodcast.com. I'm Jalila Clark. See you next time.